Welcome to the Catholic Foodie Show. I'm Jeff Young, your host of the Catholic Foodie, and today I'll be joined by my friend Colleen Mitchell of St. Bryce Missions. We'll be talking about the missionary work that Colleen does together with her husband, Greg, and their five sons. And we'll be talking about this missionary work within the context of the call to hospitality. God might not be calling me and you to live a missionary's life with our families in Costa Rica or Tanzania, but God does call us to welcome him present in those we meet in our daily lives. Whether it's our spouse, our children, or their friends, co-workers, or the guy or gal standing next to us in the grocery line, God is present and calls us to encounter him with open hearts and open hands. You know, a lot of stories I could tell about the wonder and beauty of hospitality. It's certainly not always glamorous and it's not always easy, but hospitality has a way of bringing to the surface our truest selves. And I think you'll get a glimpse of that today in my conversation with Colleen Mitchell. You can find more about this missionary family at their website, stbryce.org. That's St. S-T, Bryce, B-R-Y-C-E, St. Bryce. Org. Before I bring Colleen on the show, I want to give a shout out to gracetable.org. This week, they, they are celebrating one year in existence, one year in ministry. One of the hosts of gracetable.org, Chris Camilli, has joined me here on the Catholic Foodie Show to talk about hospitality, even radical hospitality in our own homes. With both stories and recipes, the hosts of Grace Table help you to be more intentional about getting around the table with your loved ones and to open your home and your heart a little wider. So congratulations to the hosts of Grace Table on your first year. To learn more about Grace Table, go to gracetable.org. And you know, I always love the, the titles that they have of their stories, their articles, and their recipes over there. Here are just some of the recent ones. Uh, take a listen to this. Well, first of all, they are giving away, for anyone who subscribes to their uh, mailing list, they're giving away a, uh, a cookbook. So you can grab one over there. It's called, well, the post is one year later plus a gift for you. Uh, you it was just posted today, November 2nd. So you can find that over there. Uh, some of the other articles that are just intriguing to me, Hearts Connect Around the Table. That's the title of one of the recent ones. Hearts Connect Around the Table. Fancy China and Tiny Guests. I love that. Kind of intriguing, isn't it? Uh, they have a recipe there for fall vegetable tarts. Uh, that looks really good. Mm, I love the fall. Fall is my favorite. Uh, here's another one. Why I Show Children Hospitality Even Though I'm Not a Parent. That is good. Uh, when hospitality is caked with dust, <laughs> a table that reaches across the miles, inheriting the kingdom of heaven with small prayers, uh, tea parties and bedheads. Hey, that sounds great. And uh, and more. There's a lot of, uh, of um, articles and recipes over there. Again, just go to uh, gracetable.org. Um now, if memory serves me right, I first met Colleen when I was just starting out in college. Uh, it was a youth group meeting at St. Dominic Parish in New Orleans. And to this day, I am blessed to know Colleen and her husband, Greg, and blessed to call them friends. You know, I can look back over the years and pinpoint many times that their lively faith, their real palpable connection with God in prayer, and their love of each other within the mess and miracle of family life have brought me very real grace, helping me to hold on to the promise 
that God wants this for me too. There are two websites I want to point you to before we get started. Uh, Don't worry if you don't have anything to write with. We'll mention them again. And uh, I'll be sure to include them in the show notes at uh, catholicfoodie.com. The first is stbryce.org. I've already given that one to you, S-T-B-R-Y-C-E, stbryce.org. That's the official website of the ministry, St. Bryce Missions. The second website is Blessed Are the Feet. All one word, all spelled out just like that, blessedarethefeet.com. This is Colleen's blog where you'll find her writing. Writing that is powerful and writing that is inspiring. As a matter of fact, if you go to blessedarethefeet.com and look at the about page, you'll get a glimpse of uh, into who today's guest is. Uh, on that page, you will read, I am Colleen. I believe in a God who made us and then became one of us and still walks with us today. I believe in a God who desires to spend eternity with us. I believe we are invited into a spacious life of faith and grace where we can embrace fully who we are and all that we can be because of because we are known, loved, and approved by our Father. There's more here that you can read, certainly, and uh, we're going to welcome Colleen to the show right now. Again, Colleen Mitchell with St. Bryce Missions, and let's jump right into that conversation. Well, folks, I'm so excited. I've got uh, an old friend on the show joining me today. I've got Colleen Mitchell. Welcome, Colleen, to the Catholic Foodie Show. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, you know, folks, uh, Colleen and I go way back. Matter of fact, I still remember, I think probably the first time, Colleen, that we met uh, was at a, um, a youth group meeting, wasn't it, at St. Dominic's? I'm sure it was. I think so. Um, <laughs> there were many youth group meetings and retreats back in those days. Oh, yeah. Um, and I was always there. I uh, know. That was back in New Orleans, St. Dominic's. Uh, we used to have a, a group that met. And I, I remember meeting you, I, I believe it was for the first time way back when. Uh, but anyway, we have a, a lot of water has gone under the bridge since then. A lot of time has passed. And it's it, you, know, you and your husband, Greg, have always been... Uh, an inspiration to me and uh, the folks who are listening right now are going to understand why uh, during our conversation. You know, you have um, uh, an apostolate, a a mission, St. Bryce Missions, uh, and you actually as a family serve as missionaries. Is that right? We do. We do. We, um, my husband, Greg and I, and our five sons currently live in um, a very rural area of Costa Rica where we're serving as lay missionaries. St. Bryce Missions is actually uh, a nonprofit organization that Greg and I founded um, in order to promote the idea that lay Catholic missionary life is um, a reality. A lot of people don't have an understanding of how the Catholic laity can serve as missionaries. Right, because it seems to be, uh, I mean, that's like what the priests do, and that's, you know, you got religious brothers and sisters who wear habits who do that, right? It's not something that, that lay people do. And yet, you you have, uh, you and Greg both have a, a history, I guess, back and forth of, uh, of being missionaries. It's always been um, a part of our story in, as individuals and then as a married couple. You know, when Greg and I were both, as you said, we met at a, a youth activity. Greg and I were both young people who came to really understand and love our faith early on in our in our lives. Um, and then 
in our in our marriage, one of the earliest conversations I can remember us having as we began to talk about marriage was the fact that we were in agreement that we wanted to live a life of radical service to the church in some way. And that really became a base and a foundation of our, our life together. And that's, uh, you, you know, you talk about radical, radical service. Um, I know you and I have had past conversations about this, this whole concept of, of hospitality. And, uh, you know, it's an ongoing, uh, uh, recurring theme, I guess, uh, for me as the Catholic foodie to talk about not just the food, but the fact that we're called to be hospitable. We're called to be uh, uh, aware and, and I guess, present to community, to create community around the table, both the table of the Eucharist at, at Mass, but also the, the family dinner table. And hospitality, it seems to me, is a theme that can be something, I guess, it could be easily understood in the, in the, when you talk about missions and what that's all about. Would you say the same? Yes, definitely. I mean, I think when you begin to look at Jesus and his interaction with the poor and the marginalized in the gospel, so often he was sitting at table with people or sharing time in other people's homes and spaces. Um, I think he provided us an example of how we're called to interact with the people on the peripheries, as Pope Francis likes to call them, which is that um, we don't stay separate. We don't leave them on the peripheries and we stay in our safe spaces. You know, we are called as disciples of Christ to open our doors, open our homes, open our hearts to our brothers and sisters and to go into their spaces. If you had asked me if I was you know, naturally granted the gift of hospitality, I would <laughs> definitely answer you no. You know, my, I have a joke that I have the spiritual gift of receiving hospitality. Um, <laughs> I would much rather do clean kitchen and cook me the food and I'll just come sit at your table and won't <laughs> that way. But um, in, an, in a very organic nature, I think, when one begins to, when we entered the mission field particularly, it became very obvious to me that the separation in color of skin, cultures, backgrounds, economic status dissolves around the table. Um, and it's impractical to try to live a life of missionary service without making hospitality part of your toolbox. Right. Welcome back to the Catholic Foodie Show. I'm Jeff Young, your host, and I'm talking today with Colleen Mitchell about uh, the missions and, and being a missionary family in the world today. Let's get right back to it. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's, it's funny you say that. I, I lived at, uh, in Mexico for two years with Mother Teresa's uh, priest. I was in formation with them, and uh, we lived among the poor. We were poor, and we lived among the poor. And it was interesting because uh, it, it's almost kind of hard to wrap my brain around it now, but what you're saying about, uh, you know, color of skin and, and, uh, and different cultures and all that, it does, it does fade away. And I, I had a real 
deep love of the Mexican people that, that took hold of my heart while I was there. Uh, prior to going to Mexico, I had no experience. I mean, my only experience with Mexico was Mexican food, which, you know, in the United States isn't really Mexican food, you know. Uh, I could say burrito right. and taco. I didn't even, I couldn't even say hola. I had no idea, you know, anything uh, w- w- with Spanish. Um, but we did not, we had, of course, catechesis. We had evangelization uh, outreaches. We lived among the poor. We tried to serve them in their physical needs. And we also talked to them about Jesus. And um, the, the the struggle that we had there was uh, there was a lot of, uh, fighting between denominations. This, this was a poor people who didn't even own the land they lived on. They were squatters and we were fighting this whole denominationalism where certain, uh, certain denominations would, would have their, their missionary activity essentially consisted of, we're going to go out there, we're going to buy all this land and anybody who joins our church, we're going to give them a little piece of land to build their little house on. And uh, so we fought that a lot, um, you know, just, just trying to, to hold people together, trying to take care of their physical needs. But beyond that, trying to love them as individuals. And I think that's where the, the hospitality came into play, because even when we're visiting them in their home and we're bringing them food, we're not preparing it. We're not, you know, it's not our table that we're inviting them around. It's their own. But we're there with a genuine love, as you could imagine, Mother Teresa wanting to instill in, in us, people who are being formed, right. who are being formed in her community, in her, in her order, um, to, to genuinely love these people right there where they were, whether they joined our church or not, whether they, you know, uh, were Catholic or not. And, you know, 98% of Mexico is Catholic, but that, it doesn't matter, you know. Um, so I can right. see, I can see where, you know, it, it, you kind of push the boundaries there of, of hospitality and, and perhaps uh, Colleen to give our listeners uh, a, a better understanding or a better idea of what exactly the work that you do consists of. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing right now in Costa Rica? Sure. sure. We work in a very rural area of Costa Rica and our primary focus of evangelization and service is the uh, the Quebecer indigenous population. They're an indigenous peoples of Costa Rica who have lived in the Chiripo Mountains of Costa Rica for thousands and thousands of years. They live in what are now um, reserve lands, much like our Native American reservations here in the United States, except that their way of life is very much still the way that they would have lived 300, 500 years ago. The reserve lands um, where the Quebecer people live are not accessible by car. They are footpaths out into their villages, Um, you know, and and a very primitive lifestyle. There is not electricity in most villages. There's not running water in most villages. Um, And accessibility has made a lot of services difficult um, to arrive in their villages because of that. And it's made it difficult to have an organized effort at evangelization because of that. They are still a people where the gospel has not yet taken root, where the life of the church has not yet taken root fully. Um, There is some Christianity in the reserve. There are some baptized Catholics in the Quebecer population, but that is the, the extent of the flowering of the faith there. Wow. So initially, 
initially when we went to Costa Rica, we were focused on um, the end goals of evangelization and catechism, but we were just spending some time getting to understand the population and their culture and their life. So it's a great cultural divide. Now, the Quebecer people, we, we aren't only making the one cultural shift to Costa Rican culture, but then another cultural shift within Costa Rican culture. Right. Um, indigenous populations, I'm sure that, Jeff, you know from being in Mexico around the world, um, are historically, you know, um, a marginalized people. Mm-hmm. And the Quebecers are no different in their own society, and they primarily speak their own dialect, and they their culture is even more different from the Costa Rican culture. And so... Um, it took us a long time to learn and to find uh, a place within their community where we could become really the trusted friends the, that we could pronounce a, a gospel, proclaim a gospel that was based on relationship, which is the heart of missionary service, is really to get to a place and be in relationship with people. But when you have to cross a huge cultural divide, sometimes that's difficult. Mm-hmm. So um, Greg and I, about a year and a half into our service, we had been around the table. We had hiked out into villages and camped with our entire family and slept in on the floors of people's homes. Um, and we were feeling like we were on the path to making progress to where we needed to go. And then um, from getting to know the Quebecer people, I, my eyes began to be open to the Quebecer mothers and watching them walk hours and hours and hours to access the things that they needed to care for their families. Um, many of the villages are eight to 10 to 12 and up to two days walk Oh wow! Um, in order to, to a, in order to get to a frontier town where there's a bus, which then could take you two hours into the nearest city mm. where you could go to a grocery store, get your money out of the bank, access medical care, um, or any of those things. And so a question began to form in my mind about what it was like to have to travel that process if you had a sick baby or you were pregnant or you had just had a baby and needed to go home. Um, and I think that question tugged on our, our hearts, my heart, particularly as a mother, um, not only because I am a mother to five living sons, but because our foundation, St. Bryce Foundation, is um, named in honor of our sick son, Bryce, who we lost at three months old. And bearing that grief and pain as part of our story, I think, really tuned my heart into um, the hardships of these mothers. And I began to do a little research and found out that, in fact, it was a very complicated process for Quebecer mothers in the days of a pregnancy, the early days of postpartum, and a first, the first year of a child's life, and that they were a very vulnerable population. As a matter of fact, they suffer... Uh, infant and maternal maternal mortality rates five times higher than the rest of the Costa Rican population. Wow. Um, so upon discovering that fact, I just knew that God was asking us to reach into this need somehow. And I was, um, you know, brainstorming a million possible solutions that were very institutionalized. We need to build a a center. We need to build clinics. We need to train medical attendants, all these sort of things. 
And I just so clearly felt God say, you have a house, (laughs) you have a car, and all, you have everything these mothers need to safely access the care they need. Mm, Wow. Don't wait for the big answer. Just wait for the first mom you see. Wow. (laughs) Um, And so I was very quickly invited in that very kind pushing inviting way that God does mm, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> into a ministry of <laughs> hospitality that I never expected um, which was to open my home to these mothers we are now two years into this process the the test run of just opening the door to the first mom we saw um, was a huge success and over time we have um developed official collaborations with the Costa Rican governmental entities that run the medical system um, and the hospitals, as well as the leadership within the Quebec community. We moved and rented a larger home that is nearer to the hospital than where we were originally living. But we still have this ministry, which we call the St. Francis Emmaus Center, um, based out of our home. And in the last two years, more than 250 women have walked through the doors of our house um, and sat at the table with us and in a time of crisis in their life. Wow. Yes, having a baby is a time of blessing, but having a baby in very complex circumstances or having a high-risk pregnancy in very complex circumstances or having a sick child in very complex circumstances is also a time of crisis in our life. And our home with an open door and our table with a warm plate of food has become a completely unexpected life-saving ministry. Oh, that's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. That's, that's how God works, huh? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so you're living... He's a God of surprises. Very much so. And it, it reminds me a lot of, uh, you know, the story of Mother Teresa and, and how that worked. You know, you just start where you are and uh, just one person at a time. And the, the beautiful thing about, you know, the story of Mother Teresa is even much later on, when she's already got nuns around the world, you know, people are criticizing her and saying, how can you possibly take care of all these people? Her answer is just, you know, it's just one. She's just focused on that, right. that one, that one that's right in front of her. And it sounds like you're doing the exact same thing. That's uh, oh, 250 mothers. Wow. Yes. Last year at the end of the, at the end of 2014, when the Costa Rican healthcare system published its data on the indigenous population, because it, the lack of access to healthcare is such a difficult problem that it's actually been declared a national emergency by the Costa Rican government. And so there are, um, there's a huge heightened focus on these moms and children, but you know how it is. Sometimes the, it takes a long time for the larger government solutions to trickle down and Mm -hmm. actually be effective. And so we're sort of filling in the gap Right. right now. And, um, last year when they published their data, there was actually, um, a reduction in the infant mortality rate in the Quebec population by half. Oh, wow. And St. Bride's Mission's work was actually cited as one of the factors. That's awesome. 
bad statistic. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> we need to take a quick break. You are listening to The Catholic Foodie Show on Breadbox Media. I'm Jeff Young, your host, The Catholic Foodie. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to The Catholic Foodie Show. I'm Jeff Young, your host, and I'm talking today with Colleen Mitchell about uh, the missions and, and being a missionary family in the world today. Let's get right back to it. And, and, cause you, so you got the recognition from them, but you, you've also had, I mean, I know um, recently there was a recognition also from the Vatican and the missions, right? Yes, we um we have had the opportunity to meet with the uh, Vatican Office for the Congregation of the Evangelization of the Peoples, which is the main governing arm in the Church for foreign missionary activity, and we'll actually be back there in December, um, where we'll have the opportunity to actually meet with Cardinal Filoni, who is the head Vatican officer for this arm of our Church. Um, we really want to be sure that we function as an extension of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, this is our heart and our ministry, for sure. It is obviously branded to our story, but we always want to make sure we're grafted onto the vine of the church. And so um, we seek relationship as much as we can with the bishops we work with and under with the larger entities of the church. And in communicating back and forth with the Office of the Congregation of the Peoples, we were actually invited to the office. My husband, Greg, went last year and we'll both go this year um, at, to present our work to them. One of the amazing things that has happened in the evangelization efforts among the Quebecers is that we have, in being with mothers in this sacred space of birth and the first year of their children's lives, um, the door to provide them the preparation that they need to baptize their infants has opened, because it's just a sort of an organic outflow of being with them in those days and times of their lives. And um, we actually now have 12 Quebecer godchildren who have been... (laughs) baptized after us working with their moms and their um, families to prepare them for the sacrament. And one of the things that we were able to accomplish was we worked with a young Quebecer man and translated the Hail Mary into their native language for the first time ever in history. That's beautiful. Um, So, yes. So this year when we return to the Vatican, we'll have the opportunity to present that work of evangelization um, oh, to the church beautiful. as just a gift of our service. And um, the recognition, I think, for us is so um, significant just because often when you're out in your little corner of the world daily doing your thing, it can feel very isolating. <laughs> um, and so to have just that moment of saying, okay, this is a big thing um, that we were a part of and, and we have the support Right. of our church. They know who we are and they say, go. Right, right. You're sent. And it, and um, it, that, it means a tremendous amount. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, you know, it, because it, it, it validates the call that God's already put in your hearts. You know, it, it, exactly. it, it validates your work. And, and speaking of support, I do know that, um, you know, it is a, this is a, a nonprofit and uh, you do need uh, uh, support from, from people. How, how can people help you in the work that you do? We have um, 
many ways that people can get involved with the work of St. Bryce Missions. The best way to begin to know more about the work that we're doing and find out how you can donate and take action to be a supporter of St. Bryce is to visit our website, which is stbryce.org. Um, we are definitely looking for monthly sponsors who want to help us in this outreach to, to moms. We have an additional initiative where we are supporting a community of missionaries in Tanzania um, also, and there are many projects going on that um, visitors to our website can sort of identify where their heart is pulled and where they want to step in to support these poor communities on the peripheries that we serve. Um, coming up soon, we will be in New Orleans. My husband, I'm in the States right now. My husband and my other four children are traveling tomorrow to meet me here. And we'll be in the New Orleans area, as you said earlier in the interview, Justice, where we um, are both from initially. It's sort of our home church. And we have the um, honor of having um, a very talented Catholic singer and composer and pianist named Eric Jenis, who is going to host a concert on behalf of St. Bryce Missions at St. Dominic's Church um, in New Orleans, and we will, we are inviting the public to come. The concert is free, and you'll have a chance to learn more about St. Bryce Missions and the work we do and contribute in that evening. Um, Eric will be traveling with a cellist, a violinist, and a vocalist, and so it will be a full um, musical experience in addition to the opportunity to learn about St. Bryce Missions. And that's going to be in New Orleans at St. Dominic's Church on November 5th, Thursday evening at 7 p.m. Awesome. And I'll also put uh, information in the show notes uh, for this show over at CatholicFoodie.com just as a, an easy place to, to send people to get more information for, um, for that event. So uh, anyone who is in the really uh, Baton Rouge, New Orleans area, even into Mississippi, where you can drive uh, to New Orleans in a you know, relatively easy uh, way, welcome to attend. That, that's a, a fantastic uh, opportunity to learn more about uh, St. Bryce Missions, but also to enjoy the music and, and to help to support uh, St. Bryce Missions. That's beautiful. Thank you. Uh, so what would you say, you know, cause I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking about what you, you have uh, shared with us and I see how this idea, this concept of hospitality, which to be honest, you know, the reason that I talk about it so much today is because I myself need to grow in hospitality. And I, and I see things, I think that as a culture, we need to grow in hospitality because everything is today. It's all about, you know, I. It's iPhones and iPads and me, 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 and, and, and we tend to be very isolated in our relationships and our day-to-day -day lives. And one of the things I think that God calls us to, one of the things I know God calls us to is communion, which takes place yes. in community and it takes place in relationships. So it, we have listeners right now who may be thinking, wow, that's really impressive. I mean, I can't believe this. You're, you're, your whole family, missionaries in Costa Rica, you're doing all this great work and I can't even get food on the table in my house. You know, what would you say right. to someone who is listening right now, who maybe just has a hard time in the day to day trying to get their family together for one meal or one event? Any words of encouragement or, or wisdom? Sure. I mean, first of all, let me say that on a daily basis, I think it's hard for people to imagine and, and 
you build up images in your head of Mother Teresa and, and these missionaries who, who work for the poor. You know, my vocation is the vocation of marriage, and I am a wife and a mother before I'm a missionary, which means that my daily life and the struggle to put food on the table and the struggle to keep my family happy around the table doesn't look that much different than everyone else who's listening to daily life. God has just extended our table a little longer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I speak from a place of knowing that struggle. Um, I'm not, I'm not an advice giver because I have it all together. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, and I guess what, what I've learned is in this process for me, as I told you earlier, I would not have at ever guessed that this was my spiritual gift. I am not a fantastic housekeeper. Um, I love to cook when I want to cook. You know, I love to have people around my table when I want people around my table. Right. But for hospitality to be the daily discipline of my life, that is not what I would have picked. Um, and so I think a lot of us, you know, are in the same place. It is. It all sounds fantastic until we try to fit it into the reality of our lives. Um, and so my greatest encouragement is to just continue to give it value and priority, continue to give the open door, the, you know, plate of food, the chair at the table priority in your life. It's not going to be neat every day. It's not even going to be successful every day. But if it becomes a spiritual priority to you to share your life, to share the life of Christ with others by sharing your personal space, your story, and your resource of food and family with others, and and particularly others who are outside your zone of comfort, <laughs> the actual the actual other in quotation marks right. who you maybe would never have considered sharing your table with before. If you can make it a priority in your life to set the table proverbial and, and literal table in your life, invite your family to it, and then consistently broaden the scope of who you invite mm-hmm. to join you. I feel like that is one of the primary examples Jesus gave us in the Gospels of how he wanted us to love one another. And it's the example he left us in the sacrament of the Eucharist. Wow. Is that he, every, every day, sets a table and comes and invites every one of us from the greatest to the least to sit with him. Mm. Mm. Um, And so there is something sacramental about the way we use table, the way we use an open door to evangelize and bring Christ to others. Absolutely. And you know, it's funny, I'm listening to you you talk about that, and it reminds me of a story, I think it was Father Benedict Rochelle who had told the story about um, kind of along the lines of like what God calls us to or the hospitality. And, you know, a lot of times we think of spirituality, a prayer of faith as something that has to feel good. You know, it's supposed to make me feel good. It's supposed to make me feel at peace. And uh, he tells, he tells a story, told a story um, about, you know, their, their, uh, you know, liturgy of the hours, you know, they have a certain program, a certain, um, 
uh, schedule that they keep in, in community, you know, these religious uh, uh, men mm-hmm. and women. And so they'll do the, you know, office of readings and the morning prayer and then mass. And he was, uh, he told a story, uh, something on the lines of, you know, he's in the middle of the office of readings and, you know, he's got this schedule for the day of what he's supposed to be doing. And, but the, the doorbell rings. So he goes to the door and it's somebody who's in need and he's out, but it's not somebody who's nice. You know, it's like somebody you don't want right. to deal with. It's like somebody who's, I don't know, maybe drunk and obnoxious outside the door and you don't want to deal with this person. And yet what Father Benedict was saying was that's where God called him at the moment. You know, that's where God wanted him to be at the moment. Not not in there doing the office of readings, but to be present to Jesus right there and that man who was probably, you know, being obnoxious or, or whatever. That's a hard pill to swallow, I think, sometimes. I know that, uh, you know, for myself, even even with the experience I've had of, of working with the poor, living among the poor, um, I, I like being comfortable. And, and so to be pushed right. outside that comfort zone is scary and, and something that I don't. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, I have to have a spiritual motive for doing it. Otherwise, <laughs> I don't want to do it. You know what I mean? It's not. And sometimes the motive has to simply be the spiritual discipline of doing it. Um, you know, it's it's not going to sort of, your schedule isn't going to miraculously clear itself and all of your family be in a good mood and well-dressed and smiling to go serve the poor one day. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't just sort of, show up in your life in a big um, supernatural moment where you realize this is what I'm supposed to do. It really is a discipline of service, a discipline of looking for the opportunity in your life to serve. As a married couple, as laity, it's primarily within our families to daily live a life of service to our families. And But that is the training ground for a spirit of self-sacrificial love. It's not the end. Um, but I think sometimes in our American culture, where um, I say we often live our lives as slaves to the gospel of busyness, yeah. <laughs> that's as far as we ever get. And it's good. It's so good that we live a life of self-sacrificial service to our own families. But I think God wants more for our families. I agree. And I think God wants us to take that self-sacrificial love that's born in the training ground of the family and use it to change the world and use it to bring him to people in need. But we have to live with the eyes of say, of looking for the opportunity to serve and making space in our lives to say yes to the opportunity when it presents itself. We need to take a quick break. You are listening to The Catholic Foodie Show on Breadbox Media. I'm Jeff Young, your host, The Catholic Foodie. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to the Catholic Foodie Show. I'm Jeff Young, your host, and I'm talking today with Colleen Mitchell about uh, the missions and, and being a missionary family in the world today. Let's get right back to it. And, and I think there's a paradox there, too. You know, I, I heard uh, a, a, a talk, uh, I guess it was a couple of weeks ago now, of a man who um, was, was pretty well off. I mean, he, was, he really was pretty well off. And he's older. He was an older gentleman, kind of late, late, later in life, telling the story, looking back on the wreckage of his past, you know. And he, he, said, he talked about the fact that he spent so much money, whether it was on alcohol, drugs, psychiatry, psychologist, counseling, whatever it was. He spent so much money for years and years and years 
uh, trying to make him feel good about doing good. You know, if I only, because he knew the right thing to do mm-hmm. at different points of his life. So if he only, he wanted to make himself feel good about doing good. And he said, after spending all that money and all that time, finally, I guess it's just the, the wisdom of age. You know, he finally came to the realization that none of that ever is going to work. The only, the only thing that's going to work is just to do the good, no matter how you feel. <laughs> and that once right. you actually do the good, that, that no matter how you feel, all of a sudden you feel better. You know, right. I, I, so I hear this, the, 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 the uncomfortableness that can come from opening up your heart, open up your door, you know, pulling an extra seat at the table for someone uh, that this hospitality that we're talking about may be uncomfortable, but in, in just doing it, there's going to come that sense of, of peace. There's going to come a sense of this is good. Yes. It's, um, I like to express it in, in a sense of it's less of a, a feeling of happiness as more as it is a sense of freedom in your life. I think whenever we step out in faith, um, to do something that's another step deeper, another step, a, a another step outside of ourselves mm-hmm. with God, we step further into the freedom in which he intended us to live. And there's a joy in that that is not related to whether we're actually enjoying what we're doing in the moment. That's right. Um, you know, my husband is, is in Costa Rica right now with four little ones on his own because I've been traveling, um, doing fundraising and, and speaking places. And it's just sort of part of the life we live. You know, it's how it works out sometimes. And, it's not comfortable for him to be driving a lady with contractions to the hospital. He doesn't know what he's doing (laughs) Um, or or to be, you know, the other day he mailed me, he emailed me a photo of him, you know, cleaning up after a baby who's um, vomiting parasites. I'm sorry. I know that's gross. But like this, this is, this is not feel good. Right. It not only does it, it's not only a little gross, but it's completely outside his wheelhouse (laughs) (laughs) in service to God, you know? Um, And yet he is so happy, so joyful in knowing, gosh, look what God can give me the ability to do. Wow. Because I simply said yes to opening the door. That's amazing. It really is. It's beautiful. It's very beautiful. Um, you know, uh, I know you've given us the website, uh, stbryce.org. I know, Colleen, you, you also share, um, you know, you have a very uh, amazing gift for, for writing. And I know that you share some of your experiences, which others, you know, some of our listeners will probably probably find to be both challenging and inspirational. Uh, is there a place they can go to find more of, of the thoughts that you share uh, through writing? Sure. Um, I, in addition to uh, the St. Price Mission site, I blog personally at www.blessedarethefeet.com. And that is a blog that is stories about our missionary life, stories about the people we meet, as well as just my own heart, my own spiritual journey to this adventure that we're on in living the gospel outside of our comfort zone. Oh, wow. Awesome. Awesome. Beautiful. Well, uh, Colleen, I want to thank you so much for joining me today on the Catholic Foodie Show. Uh, again, you want to give the details, uh, contact for St. Bryce and, and also the event next week, just one more time? Sure. You can contact us at stbryce.org, S-T-B-R-Y-C-E.org. 
if you have any questions about monthly support, how to get more involved, there's a contact form there where you can get in touch with us via email. Um, and the event next week will be at November 5th, Thursday evening, 7 p.m., at St. Dominic's Church, a free concert by Catholic composer Eric Jenis and his accompaniment, as well as a chance to learn more about the work of St. Bryce Missions in person. Awesome. And uh, I will also have links to all of what you just said uh, in the show notes over at catholicfoodie.com. It has been such a pleasure, Colleen. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Jeff. You heard him? You could not ask for a more noble cause than that. Sally, true love is the greatest thing in the world. Except for nice MLT, mutton, lettuce, and tomato sandwich when the mutton is nice and lean and the tomatoes ripe. They're so perky. I love that. thank Colleen again for joining me here on the Catholic Foodie Show. Uh, what, what, a, what a delight. What a delight. Thank you so much, Colleen. And again, folks, uh, you can find, uh, well, you can find all the, the links in the show notes over at catholicfoodie.com, but I'm going to mention them again right here. Uh, we, we talked about St. Bryce Missions. You can find that website at stbryce.org, S-T-B- R-Y-C-E, stbryce.org, and also blessedarethefeet.com, blessedarethefeet.com, that is Colleen's uh, blog, and uh, I love her writing, I have subscribed to her uh, her email list, and uh, so I'm notified every time she's got something new up there, it's always inspiring, and always kind of cuts to the heart, you know what I mean, it, it kind of moves you past the fluff that I think a lot of times we get uh, caught up in, and, and moves you into something that's a little more uh, more real more deep, uh, helps me to get a little bit closer to God. So I recommend that to you. Also, blessedarethefeet.com. And we are nearing the end of the show today. This is my favorite time of the year, I have to tell you. Uh, November, October, November, uh, December, this all beautiful time of the year, right? The fall uh, in, in, in uh, November, we, we celebrate, we commemorate, we think of uh, all the holy souls in purgatory. We think of the, the faithful departed and uh, especially the month of November. Uh, today, we celebrate All Souls Day. So I, I find that to be uh, just, just a, a beautiful connection with the communion of saints, right? Those who have gone before us and also the fact that we we can't do it alone. We can't do it on our own. Uh, we're called to communion. We're called to family. And God uh, has made us part of his family. And so we, we have to take responsibility for each other. I love the fact that the saints in heaven pray for me and pray for my family. And uh, and I, I try to really spend time even daily. Uh, matter of fact, there's a, something that we do daily uh, in my family uh, to commemorate, to pray for uh, the souls in purgatory. We, we always pray for them uh, during the blessing uh, before meals. And it's important to remember that, you know, we depend on the prayers of those who have gone before us. We depend on the prayer uh, prayers of the saints, but they also depend on us. Those who are in purgatory depend on us to pray for them. And, uh, and I think that is a beautiful, beautiful gift of, of charity, of solidarity, and also it is a tangible reminder 
that we really are part of God's family. We are not, certainly not uh, on our own. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear any stories you have about ways that you perhaps celebrate the fall season. You can always call me at 985-635-4974 and leave me a voice message. That is the voice feedback line, 985-635-4974. Thank you so much for listening today to the Catholic Foodie Show. And until tomorrow, bon appetit.